Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hi everyone, welcome back to another episode of Slaying Lane the Podcast. My name is Elizabeth Fiva Benene. And my name is Jomi Adegoke. Thank you so much, guys, for listening to our first episode. Um, the response has been a lot bigger than I guess we expected. We won't write it off as just um, a lot of hype because everybody's indoors. We'll actually take it as you guys wanted to listen to it. So thank you very much. Um, it's been very encouraging. So now we're back with our next episode and obviously still in lockdown like everybody else. What are you do? Well, how have you been spending your lockdown for the past? I guess it's been a fortnight since we've since we've recorded. I haven't really done much, really. Um, just pretty much the same old thing um, that I've been doing previously. Um, so yeah, lots of sim playing, lots of chilling, um, lots of social mediaing. Um, yeah, pretty much the same. How about you? To be honest, this week has probably been. Um, the busiest week of lockdown in terms of work which has been massively stressful because like obviously the only kind of plus side to lockdown has been that um you know it's an opportunity to kind of i'd say kind of relax you can't really have a relaxing pandemic but it's been an opportunity to kind of be more chilled but this week has just felt like um i was gonna say like it's like i've actually been working from home but that's what i should have been doing for this whole period but yeah like it's actually felt like work this week i've had a lot of um deadlines after asking god for commissions and complaining that like none of my pictures were sticking now it's like the opposite problem um so i shouldn't complain but i will but yeah that's been pretty that's been pretty much it just lots of lots of work so cool we also excitingly um reveal the cover of our book our third book, in fact, um, called Slaying Presents Loud Black Girls, 20 Black Women Writers Ask What's Next. Um, and the response was just like amazing. Um, we, we obviously announced this book before um, at some point last year, but I think people definitely forgot that we were still doing um, another book and um, rightly so, because there's bigger things, bigger bigger fish to fry in a pandemic. Um, but the response was amazing. Yeah. Um, so if, you know, any of you guys, if you ha- if the first that you did hear of the um, anthology was last week, I think. Oh, God, it's all blurring into one. But last week when we revealed the um, cover, um, just to kind of reiterate what Lao Black Girls is as an anthology, um, we essentially... I guess with Slaying Your Lane, we were kind of looking at like the past and the present and looking at how to navigate um, society as a black British woman and all and all that big stuff. And um, with Slaying Your Lane um, presents Loud Black Girls, the anthology, that is, a, that is a mouthful. We essentially asked 20 black British female writers, um, what what's next? You know, after we've learned to slay in our lanes, what, what now? Um, and it's a bit more forward and future facing. We've sort of looked at 
um, some emerging talent, some established writers to essentially speak to what the black British female experience is today. Um, and we've had some very, 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 um, I mean, all of them are incredible, but some great contributions, um, all very diverse. We talk a lot about diversity within diversity and everybody's really stepped up to the plate and we're not just saying that, so you'll buy the book. But yeah, um, thank you so much for the support online and we really can't wait for you guys to read it. So obviously with what we've tried to do with um, Loud Black Girls is to, you know, I guess kind of highlight the voices of black British women and um, in the same way we did with the original book, but we've really tried to kind of like amplify certain voices and stories. And um, for us, that's felt like something that's been really kind of relevant um, in the past few weeks, um, especially because online there's been a lot of kind of discourse around black women and around anti-blackness and colorism and if anything it's just shown how important it is for black women to be able to um discuss ourselves and what we experience on our own terms um i think the week that we started recording there was a big kind of like issue online and backlash about um fabulous and fancy black female influencer She'd gone through it in terms of like some online trolling. And then there was the girl who was kind of like run offline because she'd said that she'd earned a particular amount of money, which led to a bit of like backlash on black Twitter. Um, And then obviously last week or the week before, honestly, as I said, it all blurs. There was the issue in terms of black female and male, but the emphasis was on female, unfortunately. Um, Influencers who'd had their tweets, their old tweets that had, um, potentially been colorist or um, anti-black um, sort of leaked which was um, which made for a very stressful um, week for lots of black women on Twitter so there's been a lot of debate um, online in terms of um, how that all played out how that you know for example there are a lot of you know male um influencers or prominent men that have made colorist comments in the past there are a lot of um other people that have made colorist comments in the past um and they haven't necessarily been as held to account as other individuals for instance nella rose um, a very popular um black female youtuber took to her account to make an apology for her um, comments that were raised she's one of the few that did so Um, And there's been a lot of debate about whether that's something that she should have had to do, um, especially when other people that were perhaps older when they made those comments or have been making those comments for years um, didn't necessarily receive the same level of backlash. Yeah, um, I think it's interesting and definitely of note that it's black women that are that have been pushed forward as basically become the faces of this whole um twitter meltdown that's happened um and cancel culture um over the last couple of weeks um yeah it's just i guess it's just you know sad really um that that's been the case um and there isn't necessarily a kind of like you know some some people have come out and been quite upfront and said you know taking responsibility some haven't but i think ultimately it's just quite interesting how more people ha- have been less forgiving um, towards the black women. 
And I think that just speaks to general kind of, you know, issues that we have around visibility and putting yourself out there as a, um, as a black woman sometimes you have to be perfect and if you're not perfect then um and I'm not saying you know things that people have said have been right by any means um absolutely not um but I definitely think that you know saying something when you're essentially 12 13 and coming out and basically um taking responsibility for it there, there needs to be a lot more compassion about um, about how we kind of, you know, have these discussions. But I think it just basically confirms to me that Twitter is never the place to have those type of discussions, if I'm honest. It just becomes a point scoring place to just have opinions and not enough understanding. Yeah, no, definitely. Twitter's obviously reduces arguments to like, I was about to say 140, um, but 280 characters um, per whatever, unless you're going to do like a long thread on stuff. And um, yeah, like black women are obviously so often held to a completely different standard to everybody else. But also there's just a lack of nuance on Twitter that means, and just social media generally, that means that like things such as, you know, in the same way, it's we can't pretend that it's exactly the same for black women to exhibit like misogynoir and anti-blackness as it is for people outside of the community or outside of that group that's just that's just facts like in the same way that a light lighter skinned person being colorist isn't necessarily at least i'd say identical as a darker skinned person being colorist because there's obviously a lot of internalized misogynoir god this 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 literally sounds like a essay but internalized misogynoir and anti-blackness that leads to people essentially saying certain things that um, they definitely think about themselves. And the thing about, I think there's a, l- a lack of context as well, not to excuse what anybody's done but um, or said, but there was a real culture of bullying. I've been on Twitter for ages and there was a real culture of bullying. Um, you know, people used to say stuff to avoid being dragged into it themselves. And I remember personally having like a real anxiety around um, black Twitter and just feeling like, God, someone's just going to randomly at me and say that like my wig is askew and I'm just going to like feel, I'm I'm just going to have to like duck as everybody comes for me. But yeah, I think as always, as we were kind of saying last week in terms of the Afro nation thing, um, all, all I think I believe is there has to be like consistent energy throughout. If somebody's done the exact same thing as somebody else, there has to be equal energy across the board in terms of, I remember someone was talking about how there needs to be like a, in the same way there's a criminal age of responsibility, there has to be like a national age of accountability that if somebody said something when they're 12, are we really going to expect them to, you know, I'm not saying that that, that you shouldn't have to apologise it, but it doesn't make sense to me if people are in their big like mid-20s and 30s and saying equally horrible stuff and we turn a blind eye because perhaps everyone's turning a blind eye, but then someone, you know, says something when they're super young and and owns it and I, I almost feel like people like Nella Rose that have come out and and accepted accountability they've almost been treated worse for doing so and if they'd have just ignored it they'd probably have inverted commas gotten away with it if it wasn't for those pesky um t accounts so yeah I feel like it just has to be the same energy throughout and I've always maintained that like as my, I've never I've never been a colorist I'm sure I've said some problematic shit in my time but I've never been a colorist but I've I've said this several times that like 
if someone was to find stuff that I'd said on Habbo Hotel, age 13, it's, I would struggle to... I would struggle to... I don't know what I was saying at that period of my life. Um, I would I would probably apologise for it, but I do think there has to be some sort of, like... Um, yeah, I think we have to kind of really look at the type... The, the, I think age is a big factor. We asked people last week um, what they would like us to talk about um, and hear from us um, during the podcast we received quite a few responses and one of the responses that we um, had was sent via our Instagram and someone asked us um, about dating in a pandemic and how to kind of like navigate that and just general chit chat around that actually Um, because I think that's definitely something that people are experiencing um, during this time and I know Yomi has um, as well so yeah we are going to talk about it. Dating would definitely be putting it like <laughs> probably more. It'd probably be saying more about it than it's been. But I have I have been on like I, I was saying this to a friend earlier this week that like every time I speak to my friends and they're like, oh my god, the jungle, the jungle. I'm like, we need to stop referring to like the dating scene as a jungle because the jungle generally like suggests some form of life in it or like fertility. Whereas like I really feel it needs to be rebranded as the desert because there's nothing like there's literally nothing going on at least for myself anyway in terms of like dating during this pandemic like I feel like anything I had that was kind of going on before here like before this period of time it's like suspension of time that we're in um has just been put on pause um because there's only so much you can text somebody and now having like you know succumb to I think it was just last two weeks ago I was like I'll end up back on hinge and like lo and behold I ended up back on hinge um and I think I've actually I think I've actually deleted it already um but yeah like I feel like out of sheer boredom like so many other people I've kind of been like let's have a pre of what's going on and there's just there's just there's just so little but one instance you know somebody that I was somebody that like I guess has followed me on Instagram for a bit and like it's never been that time like he's just always been very like um complimentary of like not even like uh, like photos or thirst traps or anything but just more my articles and stuff asked me on a zoom date and I was like yeah sure but then obviously I was like I wanted to kind of be like a normal date in which I'd expect you to like take me out but obviously now you'd have to take me in because there's nowhere for us to go like whatever so I was like I saw this tweet about this girl who said that like this guy had paid um paid 15 quid into her account so that she could buy a bottle of wine and I was like oh that sounds like a good idea like um you know that sounds like a good idea because I'm cheap so I was like oh yeah okay like you know if it's a date you should send me you should you should be able to take me out like send send me a little something so I can get some wine and because he was Nigerian he even doubled more than doubled what what the girl had sent him um that had been sent so he sent me like 30 quid something like i think it was a very specific amount like 32 pounds 10 so i could buy like food and wine and yeah the date was fine but um i think like so many people i think lockdown for me anyway rather than getting more kind of like reckless and um you know texting exes and like um what's the word just being more willing to to take risks i feel like i've honestly done the opposite and i'm almost more impatient and just like like disappearing after like a couple of texts if it's if it's not really popping like that i don't know how you feel elizabeth or if you're even 
um, testing those waters. But yeah, I feel like I've I've become even more impatient and like fed up in terms of like, in terms of um, experimenting. I saw an Insta story um, by Sharma Ding Reed, and she basically asked people, "What do you want to hear on her podcast?" And someone um, replied, "Dating during a pandemic." So similar thing to us, where people asking these questions um, or want to know um, and she responded back going why is everyone so preoccupied with dating during a pandemic you should be focused on securing the bag um, I found that was hilarious um, and I screenshotted it because I was a, it was a it was a timely reminder for myself um, to stop being so bored um, and get back on, as she said, securing the bag um, or just sleeping. But yeah, um, what Yomi said was pretty much how I feel on that. So um, you're not, you're not, you're not um, back on the apps or or or, or responding to um, Instagram outboxes. No, I don't think that's ever going to happen. Um, definitely not. Um, I think I'm going to go back into being more of a be more resolute than I was pre previously I saw this thing on Wired um literally before we just recorded this and it was basically saying there's something called skin hunger so millions of people are being deprived of even the slightest physical touch during lockdown and there's a name for it which is called skin hunger um and it's the biological need biological need for human touch um and it was interesting because I was like hmm I don't think I've experienced skin hunger because I think on a national, on a normal day, I'm not the most affectionate um, of people, but, and I'm isolating alone, but um, I would definitely say that boredom does mean having someone to text is a bit, not having someone to text at the moment is probably the hardest thing at the moment, just to pass the time because mm. I'm just so bored. But if, I, if, you know, lockdown wasn't here, I guess I wouldn't feel as bored so therefore not thinking about um not thinking about guys as you said the jungle is um a bit mad so it's a it's desert a thing. but i know people will probably be experiencing you know skin dog skin hunger and um wondering essentially like how to navigate but i've seen quite a few social media um posts from bumble from hinge um from tinder really kind of you know promoting um their apps and why it's a good time to kind of get on their apps and things like that things like that um which is quite interesting because women there's so many men on these apps and there's not enough women so you, the ratio is always skewed towards men um so they are trying to obviously target a lot of women to come on these apps. And it's quite interesting because it's clearly not working because you were, you can't, you went on that for like a day um, and then was like, and deleted it. If I, you know, got bored, really bored, I'd, I would go on the app and then delete it again. So I wonder what, even in lockdown, is the barriers to even, I know as black women, we know what the barriers are, but just, just, you know, just generally like, you know, on what the barriers could be like mm. actually I know what the barriers to be men are just not good enough so that's definitely and women are better so that's probably it yeah I was having this conversation actually with someone who was basically saying that like like I I have like a just plethora of like amazing and like I will specify black because I feel like 
I don't really know what white girl dating is saying. I'm pretty sure it's probably quite bad as well. But I would say just on a ratio thing, it's probably just incrementally better because like, I mean, at least speaking for myself, like I date, I date black men, which just really sm- like we are 1% in this country. And then it's kind of like, you know, it's, it's, it's a really, it's a really small, like, it's just, I don't take the advice that basically I gave in the book, which was like, you know, look, black women, you can broaden your horizons because like, you know, at the end of the day, we're, we're a very small portion of this country. You're, you're cutting your nose to spite your face. I don't know if that's the phrase, but like, you know, I, you rarely meet black men that say I only date black women. So, you know, you should have the same energy and just be open. But when it comes to applying it to my own actual life, like I generally date um, black guys and on Hinge, I have the, you know, that, it's a deal breaker. He must be black African descent, like, which which makes it that like when I'm looking, I've seen people that I came across like literally how many years before when I when I was just about to enter a relationship, like before when I was last single. Um, and I was talking to um, a friend of mine. I was just like, you know, it's insane that, you know, she was just kind of talking about she would just be so content. Like she's not even looking to punch or be punching. Like she's looking for someone that's just like her, like, and, like, just, you know, got their shit together as much as, like, you know, with it, like, everything together and just, like, a male that, basically. And I was just like, wow, when I come to think of it, like, the vast majority of my friends I have, like, are on that same thing, that they're, they're struggling to feel equally yoked. And I think the problem is when you say, oh, I want to feel equally yoked, people immediately, especially men, especially insecure men, will feel like, what are you saying? What, because you out-earned me? And it's like, no, that's that's not the issue. Like, nobody has an issue with, like, it's not even finance. It's not even, like, finances. It's not even just, like, you know, as shallow as, like, or not even shallow, because I think it's fair if you want, like, um, somebody that's earning the same as you or above. I think that's totally, why not? Like, if that's what you want, that's... Men, men are allowed to say that they want girls with, like, huge bums and, like, um, tiny waists. So if, you, if that's something you want, that's fair enough. But I feel like... Um, you know, it, it's people, when you say you want someone to be equally yoked, people automatically assume it's like a finance thing or it's like a job thing. When honestly, often it's just, e- it's just even in terms of energy and just in terms of like, you just want somebody, you just want to meet somebody that's like good vibes, normal, <laughs> you know, attractive, like looks after themselves, you know, maybe even like, you know, ca- can cook for themselves, like just little things. And I feel like, um, when girls kind of say that that's something that they want, it's immediately seen as like, or if they just say, oh, I want someone that's like, I feel matched with, especially if you're like an ambitious woman, it's seen as like, you're, you're, you're looking for somebody to like, you know, drive a particular car and own a house and all that. And it's like, yeah, that'd be nice too. But often it's just about meeting somebody that's, you know, um, a nice person. I only like nice guys. Those are the only guys I like, like, it's why I'm friends with like four out of five exes because they're all lovely people and they're good people. But um, yeah, I feel like even just asking those little things and saying, I want someone that's like a normal person and nice to me and whatever, you know, women are made to feel like we're being like picky and extra for literally wanting someone that brushes their teeth. So yeah, I fully just feel like um, it's, it's a mess out here. Everybody's bored. If you're gonna, if you're bored, I personally am like hinge and the apps aren't even the way. I honestly would rather um, reach out to like an, a person that was trying to move you at one point that you weren't sure about. It's, it's better to it's better to work that way, I think, um, than than 
do a pick and mix approach on Tinder, but that's that's just my opinion. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply, if rated PG. So another topic that a lot of people have kind of um, had something to say about this week has been Adele, um, a generally unproblematic queen who um, has, you know, split up from her former partner. I think she's either divorced or going through divorce proceedings and um, has like sort of debuted, let's say, like a new look, um, which has got a lot of people talking. She's lost a lot of weight. Um, I think a lot of people assumed it was because she was, um, I think the initial kind of narrative was that she was really unhappy and that's why she lost the weight. But I think, um, like then it sort of came out, not even came out, but like was corrected that like, no, she'd been working on like, you know, um, losing some weight post the breakup and it was like an active and intentional thing. And I think, you know, she looks amazing, but then there's been a big debate about, you know, are people just saying that she looks good because she's slimmer now? What does that say about how we value bigger women? Um, yeah, what do you, what do you think about it, Elizabeth? Have you seen her post breakup transformation? Yeah, I saw it this morning, um, and yeah, she looks great. But she's like, for me, she's always been like looked great and been really like hot. To be honest, I think what's interesting as well with this whole thing around um Adele was just people's just like license of how license to say what they think about your body and how you should basically look like and and things like that which we know it's just you know with women it's just the additional pressure um there was a post from Laura Harvey early in the week that got everybody going um she was like you know in a bikini um looking great and I just saw so many images of people just like so many comments, so many like reshares of people just being like, oh, my God, um, like I need a body like this post quarantine. Oh, my God, stopping my snacks now. And like just so many. She looked unbelievably fit. Um, but I don't know. I've just never been. I just I don't know. I never felt I didn't really necessarily look at it and go, oh, my God, this is something that. I, I would like to walk, work towards. I think ultimately women, if women should just be allowed to kind of just, you know, be happy in the bodies that they are striving towards. And if that's the body that Adele is now comfortable with, then that's the body that we um, need to be happy for her with, essentially. Um, 
I think she looks great either way. Yeah. A lot of people have been sort of commenting saying like, oh, she looks better uh, when she was bigger. And it's just like, that's, that's, I don't know. I don't know. I find that like a strange, the only winner in these conversations anyway, I've said it for a million years, like is, um, you know, patriarchy. That That's it. Nobody else wins from it. Um, like, I definitely understand that, like, to pretend that, like, weight loss isn't, like, presented as this, like, moral thing and that, like, you know, once you've lost weight, like, you've reached this, like, you know, um, like, higher purpose or whatever. Like, it's really, it's really, like, problematic the way we, we depict weight loss and, like, as, as if it's an inherently, like, um, amazing thing. But the thing is, like, Adele looks amazing. She looked amazing before. If people could, like, I, I don't think there's ever been a question that Adele's always been a ting. I feel like everybody's always known that she's buff. Like, it's not been up for debate. And I feel like it's almost like, I don't know. I just think, again, it's that kind of quarantine, um, like, need to comment on stuff in a particular way and, like, moralise for no reason because no one's got anything to do. Because, like, she looked buff before. She looks buff now. Like, what, what, where's the debate? Where's the argument? People shouldn't, make it out as if like weight loss makes you a better person or some makes you inherently like better or something but at the same time like she looks amazing and she clearly feels happy and I feel like that should pretty much be where the conversation um begins and ends but then yeah it's kind of weird on both sides because you've got people kind of saying which is just honestly the one thing that Twitter is able to do like unify people in madness like you've got people on one side being like well she looked bigger and it's like but still who are you like to to have types of Adele you prefer at weight like that is fucking weird and then you've got people being like yes like she's skinty like oh my god yes and it's like yeah at the same time as well that's kind of fueling why people are like uncomfortable because they feel like you it's a real uh what's the word problematic essentially in terms of how they're and how they're like make um overdoing it about the weight loss but yeah she looks fab like and she knows it because there was a tweet going around of her liking her own picture and i'm like well, isn't that isn't that the point if she's oh her own picture on instagram if she's liking how she looks now there's really little more to be said about it other than she looks fantastic as she always did but she also looks fantastic um and looks and looks happy and i think we need to get to a point where people can lose weight and it not become, I don't know, like it not lead to like massive projection from others about their worth. And that's hard, obviously, because society like will put that on people and stuff. But she's just really trying to mind her business. She's really just making music, being rich, being unproblematic. She doesn't need to be a conduit for all our own personal like insecurities and all our own personal fat phobia. That's, that's what I think. It's time for this week's slay or nay of the week. I feel like we're just going to constantly be doing slays because like loads of people are doing amazing stuff um, during lockdown. It's got people being extra creative. Um, so our choice this week is going to go to Galdem for their new podcast growing up with galdem which explores identity and it's hosted by our absolute faves live little and charlie brinkhurst cuff um and they each episode invite a special guest to respond to their own old diary entries letters or text messages from when they were younger and sort of like have great conversations um around that 
um, which is amazing. They've interviewed people so far, like um, Monroe Bergdorf and Rennie Edo Lodge. And yeah, it's it's sick. And they're just doing amazing stuff. I really like the idea of them kind of like communicating with their younger selves because um, there's so much that I guess when you kind of see like, when you just look back at you, like even some 10, God, 10 years ago, I've been just like 18. That's, that's actually kind of old. But like looking back at yourself, like your uni pictures and then your secondary school pictures and just being like, shit, the, the stuff I'd tell that person the, the L's that she could avoid if I could speak to her um, and it's just a great concept so literally shout out to them for that it sounds really really sick and we cannot wait to get into it so that brings us to the end of the show guys thank you so much for listening um, I've been Elizabeth you've ever been NA and I've been Yomi Adegake thanks for listening guys see you next week bye Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com.